Stand by. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. Oh, man. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. If you could not tell by that start so far, I'm recording very, very early in the morning, so my voice is all deep and sexy and shit. Yeah. Something I like to say at the top of every show... It's not that. That's disgusting. I apologize wholeheartedly, well, half-heartedly, because it was kind of funny. Is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million (laughs) dollars. No. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps. You rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because that is good for podcast, and this is one. Finally, <clears throat> after a early morning throat clear, I will say that the possibility of spoilers exists. Uh, I say that at the top of every show. I don't necessarily spoil everything. And quite often, I'll give... If I'm really going to spoil something like, say, the end of Sixth Sense, spoiler alert, he was dead the whole time, I would do it like that. So... You know, just in case. I'm going to push a button that will start a timer, which I know I say this often, but today I mean it because it's early and I got shit to do. I want to stick to the timer. (coughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, hmm, We'll see, I guess. Let's get ready to rough you some... Ladies and gentlemen. Already fucked up. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Skynet Antivirus Software. Thank you for that. If you are following along, and I have no doubt that you are, you will know that I am watching all of the Resident Evil movies one a week for, I do believe, like seven goddamn weeks. Uh, One thing I don't like about the titles of these is that they just call them names. They don't say, like this one, I feel should say, Resident Evil 2 colon Apocalypse. No, it's just Resident Evil colon Apocalypse. Throw the two in there. It makes it hard to know which one to watch next when you are trying to marathon these movies. (sighs) Um, Similar to the last one, well, no, it's a little... It sort of takes a turn in this one. Uh, let me read the IMDA. Maybe that'll give some hints to the turn. Uh, Alice awakes. Alice awakes in Raccoon City. I don't think that is proper. Shouldn't it be Alice awakens? Alice awakes in Raccoon City. Well, we'll we'll leave it with awakes because that's what they have. But I feel that doesn't sound right. 
Uh, only to find out it has become infested with zombies and monsters. <laughs> Dumb. Uh, with the help of Jill Valentine and Carlos Oliveira, uh, Alice must find a way out of the city before it's destroyed by a nuclear missile. Yeah, so uh, sort of upped the ante on this one, which is kind of how, if I do recall from my watching of these movies, is um, how these progress. They get crazier and crazier as we move uh, move into the series, um, and this one took quite a jump from the first one, I would say. Uh, it is that craziness I appreciate very much. Um, I think the first one is is just kind of a it's, it's like a good movie, whereas these ones they get crazy and sort of tread on the so bad it's good territory with its weirdness. Which if you've ever played the actual video games makes sense it, uh, because the games are fucking weird, man. Um, so it, it's nice that the movies follow suit. I do believe. Uh, rating wise, this one I'll go a solid. Four out of five. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, I will say there's a fun scene if, like me, you uh, are Canadian specifically. I don't live in Toronto, but I'm about, depending on traffic, half hour to an hour and a half north of Toronto. So there's a scene where uh, the building, a, a giant building blows up and uh, it's kind of cool because that building in that movie is the Toronto City Hall. <laughs> so uh, this was shot in Toronto, uh, which I think a lot of these were, which is kind of fun for a almost Torontonian like myself. Moving on to movie the second, uh, Lo and Behold, a comma, oh, don't get too many commas, uh, Reveries of the Connected World. Uh, this is from Werner Herzog, which means that comma should have been a colon, because he's famous for his colons in movies. Um, the the uh, embedded description is quite simple on this one. Werner Herzog's Exploration of the Internet and the Connected World. Uh, I believe it wasn't too long ago, maybe last week or the week before even, uh, that I brought back another Werner Herzog documentary. He is just an interesting, weird, dark and depressing dude. Um, and I had heard about this, I think, on some podcasts, so glad I finally got a hold of it, because it is very, very good. Um... Uh, Rating-wise, we'll just go a 4 to 5, um, but my sort of favorite thing that I, I I sort of made a mental note. Every once in a while, something will happen in a movie or a book or a TV show that will sort of blow my mind, and I'll love the, the fact or tidbit so much that I'll want to take it with me and keep it in my brain. And uh, the one from this is that uh, Low of Lo and Behold, was the very first uh, thing... Uh, ever sent over the internet so it was supposed to be oh shit <laughs> see i just said all that and now i forget what it was supposed to be i think it was supposed to be log uh, log as in like log on um was that what it was oh shit i forget let's just say that what it was because that doesn't really affect the story so uh the very first thing sent over the internet internet was supposed to be the words uh log on uh, but they typed the words L, and it went across the internet. Uh, they typed the words O, uh, the, sorry, the letter O. 
Okay, so we're not sticking to the timer. Uh, they typed the word O, and then it went across the internet, and then it, it crashed. The whole internet <laughs> just died. So the very thir first thing that went across the internet was just the word low, as in low and behold. So uh, that was kind of a cool little tidbit that I very much liked. What else did I very much like? Nice segue. Uh, crash test with Paul Hubel and <laughs> Paul Hubel and Rob Shear. Oh my god, what? that's an interesting thing that just happened. Rather, it's Crash Test, colon, with Rob Hubel and Paul Shear. I reversed them, and I didn't do it on purpose for comedicness. Weird. Uh, okay, so uh, this is another, uh, speaking of hearing of things on podcasts, because these two dudes uh, are very heavily into the podcast world, I heard about this numerous times, uh, it's got a stand-up special feel-ish. Uh, what it is, is, double is, uh, is uh, Rob and Paul rented a this really cool souped-up bus where all the seats are sort of in tiers facing the side of the bus. Uh, they'll bring in, a, I guess what you would call, an audience and drive around in that bus, almost doing uh, that sort of star tour, Hollywood tour kind of thing. Um, but along the way, they'll come across a huge, wide variety of, you know what, can I get a list? Uh, Aziz Ansari, Andrew Daly, Ben Garant, Ian Carmel, Natasha Leggero, Tom Lennon, Jack McBrayer, Seth Morris, Aubrey Praza, Aubrey Praza, <laughs> just to name most of them. <laughs> uh, and the, they sort of it's obvious that it was meant they were it wasn't coincidental that they ran across these people and then comedy happened uh but that's sort of how it was framed um super super funny i laughed a lot i will say i think five out of five yeah definite uh, a need to watch um i could see much potential in doing this again <clears throat> Because it's a, a stand-up specially, sort of. I, I think Natasha's was the most stand-up special alike. Um, but because you're driving around to different locales, you are able to do much different situations than just man or woman on stage. So, uh, very, very cool. Uh, next, watched Hoop Dreams from 1994. I think this was one of those... Oh, fuck, this... I swear to God, this was on another podcast they were talking about. And it was sort of framed around one of those movies that everyone should see. Uh, did not realize... Uh, that this movie was almost three hours long. Jesus. Uh, and I will admit, it, f it did kind of drag on. Uh, this is going to emphasize my unprofessionality as a movie reviewer in that uh, this has uh, raving reviews. Everyone loves it. It's got 8.3 in IMDb, 90 Metascore, apparently, I'm seeing here. Uh, I didn't much care for it. Yeah, it, it didn't really pull me in. Um, yeah. A film following the lives of two inner-city Chicago boys who struggle to become college basketball players on the road to going professional. Uh, interesting documentary. It, it's... See, I was going to say that it's possibly because I don't have much interest in college basketball or basketball in general, for that matter. Uh but this is a documentary, and a good documentary can make even an uninteresting subject interesting. Um, so I don't know what to say about that. Maybe I need uh, another watching 
but it's three hours long, <laughs> so I don't know. Okay, last but not least, see, this is this is really going to emphasize my, uh, oh yeah, what did I give Hoop Dreams? I'll just go three, uh, maybe two, and I bet. Hmm. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons, on the other hand, I'm going to give a three out of five, which I, I enjoyed Harry and the Hendersons more than Hoop Dreams. You heard it here. Take away my movie reviewing badge. Uh, somehow it came up, this movie, and the missus was shocked, just flabbergasted, you might say, uh, that I had never seen it, <laughs> which, uh, it came out in 1987, uh, it, it's not like it's supposed to be a really good movie, I, I, I guess at the time, and people know of this movie, uh, uh the Henderson family adopt a friendly Sasquatch, but have a hard time trying to keep the legend of Bigfoot a secret. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, this is this is what happened in the 80s, people. Things like this. Start John Lithgow. So that was my one sort of... Okay, we got John Lithgow in there. He's an amazing actor. Maybe he'll make it uh, <laughs> a movie. And he did, I suppose. Uh, there's, It's just... It's Bigfoot. And he's living with a family. And hijinks out the wazoo uh i will say my favorite part of this movie where i knew this is a this is so 80s was they were driving down the road uh harry the sasquatch the bigfoot in the car and they needed to escape for obvious hiding bigfoot reasons so uh harry being the smart sasquatch that he is noticed that uh when an ambulance drove by with the siren blaring cars, we get out of the way. So, of course, he sticks his head out of the uh, window of the station wagon and makes a sound almost identical to a ambulance siren. So then, everyone gets out of the way. Now, I gotta say, if you just put a siren on a car uh, and then turn it on, I'm not sure if people are going to get out of your way. Like, it was a station wagon. Then again, uh, maybe if you look in your rear view mirror, you hear a siren and then see a fucking Bigfoot screaming, <laughs> you might get out of the way. Oh, Harry and the Hendersons. People. Today's Television Talk sponsor is McAllister Camping Supplies. Okay, got a new show uh, that the missus and I started watching not too, too long ago and is almost over, so I thought I would bring it back here. It is called Alone. Oh, ominous. It is fairly ominous, actually. It is similar in nature to the television show... <laughs> Excuse me, Survivor. In that it's a group of people uh, sent out into the wild and told to survive. They are given... The, the, I, I don't know... You know what? I'm My sort of greatest disappointment of this show is that I didn't see the first episode or couple episodes to know what the sort of rules were. Because there's got to be some, I suppose. Because uh, they all had, like, backpacks and were able to bring things. What were the rules... 
um, to determine what you could bring. Like, one guy had a fucking bow and arrow, so <laughs> could you bring a gun? Uh, I don't think you could. Uh, it took place in Patagonia, which is in South America. It was seemingly felt a lot like uh, northern Ontario, which is where I am. I'm not in north, 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 north in Ontario, but I've sort of been to cottage country there, as you do. Uh, and a lot of the... It seemed very, very, very much like that. Uh, the, the dissimilarities of Survivor is that, uh, as the title suggests, uh, they are all alone. <laughs> so it's just man versus nature, not man. It, it doesn't have the politics of Survivor. It's just whoever is the last to leave... Um, is the winner. And I think it's 500,000 they win. Uh, the, the cool thing is, there's no time limit on this. It's whoever is the last to call in and say, come pick me up, I want to go home, is the winner. So at this point, getting near the end, they've been there for, I think it's like almost 90 days. So that's like months of living just in the middle of nowhere, living off the land, or in many cases, trying to live off the land, because uh, the sort of fascinating transformation of some of these people, uh, seeing a sort of a, a still shot of them when they got there versus what they look like now, and all of them are have lost a shit ton of weight, some of them dangerously so. In fact, uh, in one of the last episodes, uh, one of the guys was so thin that uh, apparently they periodically get medical checks, which I guess you have to do. Um, and he was told he had to go. Yeah, he was doing himself damage. If he didn't leave, he could potentially die. And he was, like, he, he looked sickly. He was so thin. Uh, the fascinating thing about that, too, um, and they sort of get into the psychological aspect of this being alone in the wilderness, he had a fair amount of food. Like, compared to other people, had no food. He had stockpiled a bunch of fish, uh, and was eating, like, one fish every two, three days, something ridiculous like that. Uh, but they said part of the psychology of starvation is that uh, it can cause you to hoard hoard food and not eat it. Uh, you're, I, I guess your brain is, is so hungry for food uh, that it's worried it won't have it down the road or something. I, I don't know, just sort of a fascinating thing. Many, many fascinating things on this show of that nature and just some of the, the tips and tricks these people have um, in order to survive in the wild. I uh, highly, highly recommend uh, Alone. I believe this is the third season, which makes me want to do as I sometimes do. It's a mental note. Uh, try to find the first two seasons, uh, download them, as you do, maybe, and uh, watch them. Yeah, that's what I want to do because um, five out of five, needless to say. Uh, right now, there's only two contestants left, uh, one man and one woman. Uh, if the woman wins, apparently it would be the first time a woman would, met, would win. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, or is it two women left? Yeah, you know what? I think it might be two. No, no. Uh, it's two women and one man left. So uh, at this point, the missus and I decided to pick who we think is going to win. So maybe I'll, I'll come back with that knowledge. I don't know.
banter. Today's book banter sponsor is Beam Breakers Demolition Services Incorporated. Okay, we have a, uh, a Stephen King and Peter Straub book in that, uh, I guess they wrote it together. I wonder how that works, like the process of that. I'm always sort of fascinated by, unless it's like a, 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 like a scientific journal or something, how do two fiction writers sit down and write a book together? What, do, what is the process? Anyways, we're here to talk about not the process of writing the book of Black House, but the actual book itself um this is and i kind of didn't know going in a, a sort of sequel to a book that i don't know if i actually um brought back to the Liberty cube if it was that long ago i probably sh probably should have looked into that it's called uh, talisman also i believe by stephen king and straub or was it just stephen king um let me read the uh, Goodreads, and maybe that will give you an idea of what this is about, because it is a fascinating thing. Mm. Twenty years ago, a boy named Jack Sawyer traveled to a parallel universe called The Territories uh, to save his mother and her territory's quote-unquote twinner from a premature and agonizing death that would have brought cataclysm to the other worlds. Now Jack is retired, is a retired Los Angeles homicide detective living in the early, in the nearly non-existent hamlet of Tamarack, Wisconsin? Hmm. Uh, okay, anyways, I don't need to read this whole thing. So basically, uh, Jack is a man who traveled to this alternate universe an alternate universe in which Stephen King um, has created and intertwined a lot of his books, specifically the Dark Tower series, which I have spoken of on this podcast, if you would care to go back and listen to those episodes. Um, I love, love, love that series, and I gotta say of this book, if you have not read the Dark Tower series, there's probably gonna be a lot of things within this that are not as easily to understand as they would be otherwise. Uh, I think they kind of have to go hand in hand. I wouldn't recommend reading this book just on its own. Uh, another problem I had with this book was this was probably the closest I ever had to giving up on reading a book and saying, no, nah, I'm not digging this. Stop it. Like, I was over not much over but i was over 100 pages in still thinking you know what i don't like this book i'm gonna stop uh the first 100 pages of this book i feel like are unnecessary for the most part they could easily be cut out or condensed to almost a page uh it was sort of the introduction introduction to all the characters uh, through the eyes of a sort of floating being, it almost felt like, which is an interesting way of doing it, I suppose, but uh, was just not needed and almost caused me to get up. So give up. So I, another sort of fascinating thing of this book is that I've never been so close to giving up, and then by the end, so uh, enthralled with the with a book. So first hundred pages, giving up. By the end, I couldn't put it down. <clears throat> Which makes rating difficult uh, if 
you don't give convoluted ratings like I do sometimes. Ha <laughs> ha. First hundred pages, friggin' one out of five. Last parts of the book after that, like five out of five. It got very, very good. Uh, exciting. Uh, we knew all the characters, what they were doing, what their motivations were, and we could just proceed with the story, um, which I think we could have done from the get-go. And then have have the introduction of the characters intermingled with the actual action. <clears throat> How about that? <clears throat> uh, so there you go. Black House by Stephen King and Peter Straub. Don't read the first 100 pages. Today's game, Gavin sponsor, is Heart Piece Cardiology. Alright, it's got a very special game, Gavin, today. Uh, I'm not sure if we've done much in the way of uh, old retro-y games, but uh, a new friend of mine, oh, you know what, 36 almost years old and made a new friend. How about that? Didn't think that would happen. <clears throat> Uh, she uh, lent me this game uh, after we discussed the love of the games of this era and me saying that I played this uh, back in the day but never actually beat it. And it always sort of uh, stuck with me that I wish I had of. The game in question is, of course, The Legend of Zelda, colon, A Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah, so when, when this came out, whenever that was, uh, oh, you know what? I have the wiki open. Came out in 1990. I can't see because it is cut off. 1990 show. 1991. Huh. Okay, so I was 10 years old. <clears throat> so what I would do is go down to my local video uh, rental spot, which was, uh, I do believe called Jumbo Video, uh, which is, I think there was two of them in Canada. <laughs> um, and I would rent it, uh, which I think you could rent it for a week for like five bucks. And I think I had it for two weeks and got in trouble because I wasn't supposed to have it out that long. But this is not a game that even as a, uh, especially maybe as a young man that you could beat in two weeks. Like I've been playing it for friggin' like three weeks now. Uh, that being said, I only play on the weekends, as you know. Um, so to finally go back and revisit has been a god damn delight and i thank my friend for the lending me of this uh i should say that the possibility of a 10 uh, year old me uh playing this game and beating it were virtually impossible uh i've found times in this game where i just had no idea what to do uh without the resources of the internet to go to and say what the fuck do i do now um and I do remember as a child making it to the Dark World um, and then not really knowing what to do after that, not being able to figure out what I needed to do in, in order to accomplish my goals. The goals which are, of course, 
as many Zelda games. Uh, you are Link. <laughs> I don't have to explain a Zelda game. Uh, you are trying to save the princess, as you do, as many video games you do. Um, you will uh, have a, a few dungeons to complete, and then something will happen, and then you'll suddenly have a shit ton more dungeons to complete. <laughs> it's always that sort of feeling which you think you're done, and then all of a sudden, oh shit, I'm not even close to done, which I love in video games. And uh, Zelda, it does it amazing, it's just that it does it, and you know it's coming, so maybe the surprise isn't there that it could be. Uh, so far, easy for me to give 5 out of 5 to this, and I'm not even yet done, so I'll, I'll probably, just as a FYI, or fly if you prefer, we'll be bringing this back. Um, I've completed the Light World. Uh, I think I'm done one or two dungeons in the Dark World. Uh, I've got the Tempered Sword. I've upgraded my uh, Boomerang. I've upgraded my Shields once. Um, I'm sort of in a good spot. I've got four bottles, each with a fairy in it, as you do. Uh, that's my sort of most pro-tippy thing of a Zelda game, is always have as many bottles as you can, usually four, and always have fairies in them, because that way, when you die, the fairies bring you back to life. So it's like four times, not quite, the amount of uh, health that you would have otherwise. Um... Well, there you go. Timer's done. So, um, not needed. Thank you, Amanda. Today's internet inter sponsor is a new hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic drug that just hit the streets. It makes you feel like you can do anything. It is, of course, called Q. Q. Alright, uh, something seemed to happen last week. Um... Oh, no, no. That'll be next episode. Never mind. Okay, so we've got a new addition to uh, the podcast listening repertoire. My words are getting worse and worse. Seemingly, I'm running out of steam early in the morning. I just had a coffee. I should have been fine. <sighs> uh, and that is... Uh, oh, no, two. Rather two. Okay, so uh, the first is D&D is for nerds. Okay, so uh, after... Uh, I got caught up with uh, Adventure Zone, and uh, after I didn't have access to Nerd Poker anymore, I was on the prowl for a new D&D-related podcast, and uh, after much research, I must say, and some failed attempts at listening to things that didn't tickle my fancy, I came across D&D is for Nerds. Uh, it's a bunch of Australian folk playing, you guessed it. D&D. Uh, so far, so good. Um, the episodes are a little short. They're like half hour long, so uh, I would usually listen to a bunch in a row, which would help. Um, and I'm definitely going back for more. Uh, the, 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 the I like the characters. I like the story. I like the Dungeon Master. It, it's all good. I, I just wish they were a little longer. 
Um, basically, it is you've got a, a a princess who's not actually a princess. Uh, what else? You got a magic user, and is he a ranger? Oh shit! Sometimes it's hard to tell just from listening to people play Dungeons and Dragons what their class is. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, sometimes. Uh, and that's a little bit of the case here. But I uh, would definitely recommend it. Uh, just on that note, I have recently got a Howl subscription. I had to do it because I uh, was 20 episodes into re-listening to Nerd Poker. And then suddenly all the episodes were gone and I was devastated. So I uh, signed up for that. It's like 30-something a year. It's not too bad, I guess. Uh, I, I don't like paying for podcasts just because there's so much out there for free, uh, including this piece of shit that you're listening to right now. Next podcast is Star Trek The Next Conversation. Yes! This is with uh, Matt Myra and his co-host, which name I have not written down because I'm an idiot. Uh, this is follows your your sort of typical TV related podcast in which they will watch uh, each episode of a television show and then talk about it. Uh, Matt Myra is one of the biggest Star Trek fans in the world, so um, my sort of desire to rewatch Star Trek is always there, uh, and my thought is because I have Deep Space Nine on the go with the misses, why not? listen to these guys talk about the old uh, Next Generation episodes, and so far, I think it's five episodes in, um, it's friggin' amazing. I love it. Uh, they go in-depth and comedically, which is which are both necessary things, I think, in talking of a television show. So, uh, highly, highly, highly recommend that. Uh, next is John Romero's Irish Adventure. This is a no-clip profile from Mr. Danny O'Dwyer, who I always speak highly of because he's fucking awesome and creates amazing things such as this. Uh, John Romero is one of the creators or the creator behind uh, like Doom and Quake and, 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 and many classic video games that you know and love. Uh, apparently he's in Ireland where there's sort of a, a, a burgeoning uh, video game creation uh, field sure uh there so he's kind of there on the ground floor seeing what happens and it, it kind of s cool to see both his sort of thinking process of being there and um getting some 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 insight into his past works uh very very cool uh i think his daniel dwyer's no clip profiles uh is a very very good idea because he's a good interviewer as well uh, last but not least, we have Showing My Desk to Adam Savage. Uh, this is Michael over at Vsauce. Uh, since he has teamed up with Adam Savage for a uh, brain... What is it called? Brain Candy? Anyways, he's going on a tour that I actually did uh, I don't normally go to live things but uh, this one sounded so cool I checked to see if it was maybe coming to Toronto it is not uh, <clears throat> not coming to Canada at all unfortunately uh, that that's how much my desire to see it was that I actually looked into it uh, so him and Av Adam Sav Savage are going on a tour uh, I, I guess it's like a sciencey tour they, they'll go around to 
uh, maybe there'll probably be Q&As, they'll do experiments, so uh, it's just brain explodey stuff on stage that you can go and witness from these two super, super smart, charismatic dudes. Uh, this, this I loved, uh, and I love this kind of thing, to sort of peek into the mind of a person. I think looking at their desk is a good way to do it. Uh, my one sort of disappointment is that his desk is fucking messy as shit. Uh, like, I have lots of stuff on my desk, but it's all organized. A place for everything, and everything in its place. That's how my, excuse me, that's how my brain works. Seemingly, uh, Michael of Vsauce's brain does not need that organization, um, which, uh, from a creative standpoint, I can understand. Um, he, like he said, as long as he can reach his keyboard and mouse, that's all that really matters. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> see, it would drive me nuts. Uh, I, I guess the fact that all the shit he has on his desk is just fascinating, like, fucking science experimenty and... Uh, and puzzles and things you can sort of little doodads and whatchamacallits and uh, uh, fizzle butts uh-huh. fizzle butts I made that one up that might work its uh, name into the title of this episode how would you spell fizzle butt fizzle butts probably incorrectly um, and, and and then to see sort of uh, Adam Savage see all the stuff on the desk and his eyes just sort of light up and his inability to keep his hands off things and just sort of reach in and pick shit up and play with it. Uh, I, I loved it. And I hope you do too. What else do I hope, you might ask? Is that... Oh my god. <laughs> I fucked my timer up again. It's nice <laughs> to be nice to the nice. Oh, God. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. What the fuck? <laughs> this is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper